sugar-coat life's already a bumpy road Too much shelter causes pain Let's just be real honest Things are gonna knock you down Avoidance will not help you out Let's talk it through here Keep it real honest Hello, friends, and whoever else is listening to this. Today, I want to talk about expectations, and this is coming out of this week's therapy session where my therapist basically implied that my expectations are too high, and then a conversation I had where I was with my sister where I was complaining about my therapy session, and my sister essentially agreed with my therapist, and it's still bothering me. It's been days, and I'm sitting here like, you know what? They both pissed me the fuck off. So... To get into this, I'm going to start by, I know that I have mentioned this in previous episodes, but I am really big on semantics and definitions and making sure that we are all on the same page of what we are talking about this. This has always been a thing. It drives my family insane. And I honestly don't care because I think it's important. So I've been this way as long as I can remember, um, particularly because when I was a little girl, my grandma visits every year for Thanksgiving and I find her to be a very demanding woman who's not very loving. So I didn't have like a close relationship with her, but she was always needing me to do things for her. But the way that she would ask would be like, we would both be sitting on the couch and she'd say like, Hey, you want to go get me a bottle of water out the fridge? And I'd be sitting there and even my like, my like seven year old brain was, was thinking through like, do I want to? No. But will I, because I have to respect you as my elder? Yes. But those are different questions. And anytime that I would bring that to my mom and dad, they'd be like, stop being such a smart ass. And you know, it's not being a smart ass. It's being clear. Because if you're going to ask me if I want to do something and I'm going to say yes, and then you think that I want to do it, you now are confused. Whereas... If you're going to ask me if I will do something, whether or not I will do it is irrelevant to whether or not I want to do it. And now as an adult, where it's more important for me to be honest with people than it is for them to like me, if someone comes to me and says, hey, do you want to do X, Y, Z? If I'm willing to do the thing, I, you know, I can honestly say, yeah, I want to do it. Let's do it. Or I can say, no, I don't want to do it, but I will do it for you slash with you. Let me know the details. Or I will say, yeah, I want to do it, but I can't. Not free on those days or whatever. Or I will say, no, I don't want to do it, and I won't. So for the last couple of weeks, I have been pretty angry with most of my friends because I feel like a lot of them are not very good friends and I feel like I'm a great friend and that pisses me off. I was talking to my therapist about that. She was talking about how... I have really high standards for friendship and just like these great, great expectations that are almost impossible for people to meet. And then, you know, my sister was telling me, she's like, well, yeah, you do kind of have these lofty expectations, but it's not so much that you shouldn't have the expectations, but maybe what you need to do is share the expectations with your friends. Like, do they know that you're upset with them? Do they know that they're not meeting your expectations? Do they know that you want them to do X, Y, Z? 
I think that fundamentally the issue here is not that my friends are not meeting my expectations. I think it's that they are meeting my expectations because when my sister and my therapist and myself, when the three of us were using expectations in these conversations, what we really meant was wish list, not expectations. So I'm going to backtrack for a sec just to explain, like, in my opinion, an expectation is something that comes out of observed and repeated behavior. So for example, think about various friends and family members that you have. Think about calling them on the phone. And do you expect them to answer when you call or not? I have various people in my life that I expect to answer when I call. And I expect them to answer because they have historically answered the majority of the time that I've called. In the same vein, I have friends or family members who never have their phone with them or it's always on do not disturb or they're always working and they never answer the phone. I always leave a message or I call them. I don't leave a message. Then I text them about what I wanted and they call me back later. But so those people, I expect them not to answer the phone when I call, right? It's because of the behavior that I have learned from. The desire though is different. You may be a person who is super busy all the time that never answers the phone. So when I call you, I may expect that you won't answer and that I'll get your voicemail and then I will leave you a message or I'll text you and we'll actually have the conversation that I want to have later. But that doesn't mean that I don't still have a desire for you to answer the phone when I call because I want to have the conversation right now. So I really don't think that I have high expectations for friends. I think I have a lot of desires and a pretty lofty wish list and like goals for friendships that they're not meeting, Um, but not expectations. I don't expect anyone to be the type of friend that I am. I think that I am a really good friend, like really and truly in all honesty, I believe that I am one of, if not the very best friend that every single one of my friends has because I show up. I show up all the time, anytime for however long I'm needed to show up. I remember and celebrate birthdays anytime that I have a friend who is starting a new job, has a baby, has a relative's death anniversary coming up, like any life event like that, I write it down, I put it in my physical planner, I put it in my digital calendar, I get reminders for myself so that I can reach out to that friend on that day and wish them, you know, happy first day at your new job, let me know how it went. If I have a friend that is going through something or struggling with something, and they're not somebody that I have a regular touch point with, right? Because there are friends that you talk to every day, some every week, some every few months. So if this is like maybe one of those every few months that I have contact with friends, but the last time we spoke, they shared like something that they were going through, I make a point to follow up with them sooner. Like even if we have a standing monthly lunch or whatever it is, if they were going through something, I'm like, I'm not going to wait till our next monthly lunch to follow up on this. I'm going to follow up on this sooner and, you know, make sure that they're okay, make sure that they're good. But I don't have anyone that does that for me. Like, I don't have anyone that's regularly checking in on me. And my sister was saying, like, we all tend to give love in the way that we receive it. 
So she was saying like, maybe your friends don't care that you keep track of those dates and maybe they don't care that you check in on them regularly. And maybe that's not what's important to them. And maybe you're not doing the stuff that is important to them, which totally valid. But I also think it has a lot to do with, first of all, that's just my personality. Um, But second, I am the most high functioning depressed person that I know. On the personality piece, I'm super type A. I'm a project manager for a living. I'm a list maker. I don't know how to function in life without organizing things that way and keeping track of stuff. So I totally understand that a lot of people don't do that. That's literally why there is always a demand for project managers. But at the same time, I'm not keeping track of events in my friends' lives and I'm not reaching out to them on a regular basis because I want them to reach back. Like it's, it's not like, oh, I remembered your birthday, so you have to remember mine. It's like, I remember these things and I reach out to my friends on a regular basis because I love them. And I want to celebrate with them and I care about them and I want to see them and I want to know what's going on in their lives. I genuinely want regular updates. So when they are not reaching back and they're not checking on me and they're not asking how I'm doing, it feels like it's because they don't care. Even though I do intellectually know that like, I'm doing this because I love you, but I do, but maybe that's not how you show love. Like maybe you don't show love by checking on me. But at the same time, how do you show love then? Because I'm not hearing from you at all ever. So I'm looking at this as like, okay, we're just not friends anymore. I love that we finally live in a world where it's normal for people to be going to therapy and we're talking about mental health and all of that so much more. But at the same time, I have never been clinically diagnosed with depression because I am too high functioning. Um, which is a blessing and a curse. It's very frustrating because a depressive episode for me is like, I can't focus on anything that does not have to be done that day or in that moment. So usually like when I'm really, really low, I will either lay on the couch and stare at the ceiling or I will lay there and cry all day outside of like, meetings that I have to attend or messages that I have to answer. So like I will maybe lay on the couch crying for an hour and then I'll have a meeting with my boss and I will pull it together like that. Like I will jump up, I will wipe my face, I will crush the meeting with my boss or the client or whoever it is, whatever it is, I'll crush the thing. I'll look at my messages, I'll respond to it. I always stay on top of my shit. And then as soon as I have cleared my inbox and I don't have any meetings on the calendar. I am like back on the couch and I don't even have the energy to like watch TV and keep up with the story. And usually during a depressive episode for me, I don't feel like cooking, but like I still will get hungry and have to eat. So it's more like I'll just eat snacks or like I'll DoorDash something, but I'm still eating and I, I can't function in an unclean environment. So like even in the like bottom depths of my depression, I will clean my house. Like when I'm angry, I go on like frenzies of cleaning. And even like when I'm sad, I go into like cleaning frenzies. But I totally understand that like depressive episodes are different for different people and I have witnessed firsthand like a very close friend of mine that like literally cannot get out of bed 
when they're depressed and it's just like if they eat like dishes pile up laundry piles up and they can't be bothered to do anything can't go to work can't move can't talk can't look at their phone like won't charge it and while I can't relate because that's not my experience I know that it happens so I understand when people are saying like hey I was depressed or I just, you know, was out of it for last week or whatever. Like, I just don't have the mental capacity right now to support you in you, whatever this crisis is that you want to talk about. Like, I really have to be focused on myself right now. Like, that's fine and I get it. It's just difficult for me because I don't have that experience. Like, I can be laying in bed, wishing to die, praying to God to take me away just off this earth. And then one of my best friends can call me and either want to share something or want advice or whatever. And I am a thousand percent focused on that friend for however long they need me to be. And then I can get off the phone and then go back into wallowing in my self-pity. But I do just wish that they would notice that something is off. Like, I wish they would be like, man, I haven't heard as much from Samantha this week. Like, something's probably going on with her. And I do, I mean, I've got, like, two friends that definitely would be like, oh, you know, there's there's a different tone in your voice note or in your Snapchat story this week. Like, I totally, something's wrong with you. Like, what is it? And it means the world to me when somebody is close enough to know that. And, you know, I, I read a lot of stuff and I see a lot online about people talking about how the older we get, the less friends we need. Like as an adult, you really only need like two or three good close friends. And then it's fine that the rest are all acquaintances. And I think that that is true for certain people. I think that it's not true for me. I'm always a person who has had a lot of friends. I mean, since I was a little girl. I've always had a ton of friends. And when I was younger, I was an extrovert. So I got energy from being around people. And that was the main reason why I had so many friends. Now I'm an introvert and I just like love to be inside for days on end. And like nothing drains me faster than going to a party or like take me to a bar or a club and I'll be asleep in five minutes. Like I hate it's so draining to me to be around a bunch of people but I do still have a lot of friends and I think that it's necessary for me because I know that like I am a very big personality I'm an external processor I really like to talk through things a lot of times I need to hear myself say something out loud and I need to hear somebody repeat it back to me or hear somebody present a different opinion so that I can see how I react to hearing that so that I know like how I really feel and what I really want. And also I think that I need to have a lot of friends because like I am a pixie. Like I need a lot of attention. I have a lot of emotion. And if I don't have outlets for my emotion, like it will bottle up and explode out of me. Like I don't pretend that I'm not a lot. I know that I'm a lot and I don't think it's a problem. I just need to have people in my life that can handle it. But at the same time, I am conscious of the fact that I cannot keep going to the same person all the time. Like if there is something going on with me that's going to take more than a couple of conversations to sort through 
it's like, this is why I go to therapy. Yeah. But I also have like various friends that I talk through it with so that they get a break as well. Like if I'm on the phone with one friend for an hour today and then I still don't have clarity and still need to talk about the thing tomorrow, I'm going to call a different friend. Like I'm not going to call the same friend and make them listen to me for hours on end. But at the same time, I like listening to my friends tell stories. Like those of us that are storytellers, it's because we're good at it. Like I tell my stories to the friends that want to hear it. And I listen to the ones to friends that have them to tell. It's like, if you're if I'm regularly going on and on about something and you're rolling your eyes and you don't care, you know, like just say that and don't listen, like don't be fake and don't pretend that you want to be there. And that's why I don't think my expectations are high because I have two friends that I send, like I record myself talking about something that happened to me or what's going on in my situationship or at work or whatever. I record myself talking about it on Snapchat and I send it to two friends. And I do expect those two friends to watch it and listen to it and respond to me because they historically always do. But I also have friends that I have mentioned that I do this like thing on Snapchat and they're like, oh, how come you never send those to me? And then I'll send them one and they won't watch it or they'll start it and they won't finish it. And then they'll be like, oh my gosh, you were talking for 35 minutes. Like I didn't have time for that. And I'm just like, yeah, that's why you don't get these. I don't expect anyone else to be on the level of the two friends that have known me since I was six years old to put in the same amount of effort or to even know specifically what I'm looking for. Because I think a lot of those things you just learn over time. And part of the conversation I was having with my sister about this the other day is like, you know, why don't you like sit down with your friends and say like, I need to be reached out to once a week and like I need blow. And I'm just like, because I think that's stupid and ridiculous. Like I would never want somebody to sit down and give me a list of like what I needed to do to be a good friend. I also don't think that there is necessarily a formula like that. I think as you get to know people, you just learn things about them. You know, like I was saying earlier, it's like I reach out to all of my friends, like all 30 something people that I consider good friends in my life. I reach out to all of them every single week because I love and care about them. And I notice if I haven't talked to them in a while because I miss them and I want to talk to them. So it's just that it makes it feel like they don't love and miss me if they're never noticing that we haven't talked or that things are off. Because sometimes I really do just sit here and feel like if I disappeared right now, how long would it take people to notice? Like, I think I reasonably could not show up to work for a week before my boss started to look for me. And it's just kind of, you know, like how, how many friends would be looking for me? Like, how long would it be before people notice? Because for me, it's like, if I don't hear from that friend in three days, that friend in six weeks, that friend in six months, I know that something's up and I'm going to check. If my friends want me to attend a birthday party or a graduation or a baptism or whatever it is, and I have the means to get there, I will get there. I had a friend that asked me to go attend 
her baptism. And so I did. And she changed the plan a million times. It went from she and I were going to get a hotel in the city to where our church was doing a pop-up event. And then it was, we were going to stay at her place that was like 30, 40 minutes away. Not a big deal, but just couldn't afford the hotel. And I was like, all right, no big deal. And then it did a complete 180 to we're going to stay at my boyfriend's place. That's closer to like an hour and a half away. And then I'm staying in this really uncomfortable room at her boyfriend's house that had like sexual paintings everywhere and like neon lights and just like it was wild and I was not comfortable and it was so awkward to be like staying with her and her boyfriend because the three of us would be like on the couch watching a movie and they were cuddling and I felt like I was third wheel on a date and like I don't know this man and I don't have a relationship with this man and why am I staying in his house and I would be so much more comfortable in a hotel but like this weekend was about her like it was for her baptism it was her faith journey it was really important to her that I met her boyfriend and that her boyfriend met one of her best friends and so you know I showed up I went there and I was uncomfortable, but I talked to him and I talked to her and she had a great weekend. And that was all that mattered because it wasn't about me. It was about her. You know, I have a friend that for her birthday weekend, I traveled to see her and she had like five or six girls all staying in her one bedroom apartment, which is too many people and not enough space for me. This girl also is a partier and I am not. I hate getting drunk. I hate clubbing. I hate going out. But again, it wasn't about me. It was about her. So I showed up and I went and I rallied and she had an amazing weekend and she was grateful that I was there and I'm glad that I went like I think she and I got closer that weekend she had a great time there's a quote that I've seen on social media a lot that says like you're not required to set yourself on fire to keep other people warm and I know the quote itself is a bit dramatic but the the less dramatized version of that is like you don't have to sit in your discomfort to make somebody else comfortable. And I think that's true. I also, I'm a person that doesn't want people to do that. Like if you are uncomfortable in my home, then I would rather you stay in a hotel or like us meet somewhere and we both stay in a hotel or whatever it is that's going to make both of us comfortable because I don't like to be uncomfortable and I don't want to make anyone else uncomfortable and I definitely don't want any of my friends like suffering through to make me happy. But at the same time, I would say that like those two friends that like I visited In the moment, I wasn't suffering because I was like seeing the smile on my best friend's face right now. Like that's what I want for her birthday. Like I just want her to have a good ass time. I want her to be happy. And like the fact that this many people came here and we were all on the same page with like, what do we have to do to make sure she has the best weekend? Like I loved meeting other women that loved her that much and that's what really mattered to me so it was not a situation where like I was so horribly uncomfortable because I was at the club that like I hated her it was more like I was like this this is about you and you're one of my best friends and like I'm here for whatever it is that you want to do for the four days that we have together 
So I also think that just speaks to the value of your friendships and relationships. Cause I wouldn't do that for anyone. Like I have certain friends that I will endure uncomfortable situations for because I love them so much. And there are people that may ask me to do that, that I would not do it for. Cause I don't love them like that. So bringing it back to expectations, like both of these women and the two examples that I just gave know me very, very well. So like the one that had me staying at her boyfriend's place, like she was very anxious about changing the plan so many times and was constantly checking on me and like, are you okay? Is this okay? Is this okay? And you know, it was not okay, but she was so highly anxious that I didn't want to add There was a lot of other stuff that was going on with her and her boyfriend and with family members and stuff that weekend that I, I told her, I said, Hey, I'm here for you. Whatever makes this weekend easiest and the most fun for you, that is what we're going to do. And I just kept us focused on that. The other girl knew that I hated the club and I hated partying. And she was super like, if you want to just stay in my apartment while the rest of us go dance and get wasted and do whatever, like you can do that. And I I will not be offended. I will not be upset with you. And honestly, that was part of why I like went and was a part of the festivities the whole weekend because she knew me well enough to offer that and gave me the opportunity to be able to say like, I'm here for you. I love you. This is about you. I am not a selfish person. And it's interesting because my family probably would tell you that I'm a very selfish person. And it's because I don't feel loved by my family. I don't really feel love for my family. And because of that, we're not able to love each other in a way where people can feel it. So when I don't want to do things with my family, I'm very like, nope, not doing it. I'm out. And then they see that as me being selfish, where it's not about being selfish. It's like, I don't love you enough to sacrifice my own peace to do that, where I have lots of friends that I do love enough to sacrifice my own peace to do something for. But I think that I have way more stories and examples of me doing that for someone else than I do of someone else doing that for me. So I struggle with trying to look at it from a different lens in terms of like, because I am a person that makes that decision based off of love and how I feel about the person who is requesting me to do the thing. My assumption is that when friends are not doing that for me, it's because they don't love me. Where like, that's part of what I work through in therapy is like, okay, but everyone doesn't have my lens. Everyone doesn't have my worldview. So if I, you know, ask a friend to, I don't know, go to a really expensive place for my birthday dinner and the friend doesn't go because they don't want to spend a hundred dollars on a meal, you know, I'm looking at that as like, wow, you don't love me enough to spend a hundred dollars on a meal and celebrate my birthday. But for the friend, it could have absolutely nothing to do with how they feel about me. And they just weren't able to communicate with me like what was the most important thing and like what was the deciding factor in them not showing up. And that's really where this whole expectations versus desires and wish list conversation even came from because it truly is not 
an expectation issue. Because I put so much into my friendships and in this sense what my sister said about loving people the way that we want to be loved it is true not specific to the love language I would say because I love my friends with all of the love languages but I think it's because I grew up in a family that did not love me the way that I wanted to be loved I went out and I made friends and I now have all of these chosen family members that I do love them in the way that I want to be loved. And that way is that I am ride or die from day one and I will do almost anything for them within reason. It really depends on the person and the ask. But like, I love people and I'm there and I I listen, I am reliable and like I know that all my friends know that they can trust me and they can rely on me. They know that I will always tell the truth. They know that I will always answer the phone. And that's what I expect myself to do as someone's friend. But I don't expect anyone else to do what I do. So my expectations really and truly are on the floor because I expect people to disappoint me all the time. Like I expect people to not celebrate my birthday. I expect people to not remember my birthday. I expect people, I expect my friends to choose their boyfriends over me if they have a choice in who to hang out with for the weekend or who to bring to something. Like I expect to be disappointed so that when I am not disappointed, it's a happy surprise. But I still, I desire people that love me as much as I love them. Like I desire being as important to the people that I love as they are to me. I don't know if you learned anything from that. Um, sorry, this episode was kind of just more <laughs> me ranting. That should have been a Snapchat story to Cameron and Lexi. But anyway, um, let's move into the hard conversation of the week. Um, so basically, I have been having a lot of issues with my boss, um, just like butting heads a lot and like him not listening to me and quite frankly lying to me on multiple occasions um and I was really stressed out and I was like I am going to quit this job like I can't I can't handle it I've tried to talk to him about it directly and he's like very not receptive to it um and so actually what I ended up doing was I submitted my company's like anonymous feedback form to say like, hey, there is no forum in place for like if I'm having issues with a manager to be able to speak about it outside of going directly to that manager. Um, and after that, like his boss like set up meetings with like all of his direct reports and like he's now setting up meetings with like all of the people that I manage um, because currently my company has a lot of stuff in place in terms of like me as the project manager, like I debrief with my boss and, um, after every project and talk to him about like the people that worked on the project and how they worked together and, and how their work was and how, just how really the, the project went from like all different aspects. And I did mention to him like, Hey, 
it doesn't really make sense that you're only getting feedback on the project from the project manager because you're not like, obviously I think I'm doing a great job, but you're not hearing from the team. Like maybe they think I'm doing a terrible job. Like maybe they hate the way that I set up the schedules or they don't like how I'm communicating with them or something. So um, he's now taking that into consideration and he's going to talk to all the people that I work with so that I can get feedback on how people think I'm doing as well. Um, and so same thing that like his boss is now um, meeting with everyone that reports to him so that we can give, like we can get feedback going in all directions. And so I was super open with his boss to say like, these are the issues that I am having. Like, I don't feel like I'm being listened to. There are multiple occasions where he has straight up lied to me. Um, and like, I'm feeling very uncomfortable and like stressed out and not prepared for certain client meetings. And um, prior to going into this meeting with her, I had documented like every single time that he had lied, every single thing that went wrong. Like every time that I had tried to discuss it with him, I had like a whole, like, I think this was like a three page document and I like sent it to my dad and my sisters. And I think everybody was kind of like, yikes. <laughs> um, but I'm glad that I did that because it helped me process and like organize things in my brain. I did not send the document to my boss's boss. Um, I pulled out like two or three very specific examples from that doc that I gave her and she listened and she heard me and was very like, thank you so much for bringing this to me. Like, I need this feedback. This is very important. Like he's still training as a manager and like there are things that we all need to learn. Um, and it was great because she validated my feelings. She listened and then she had a conversation with him and I have not had an issue with him since. And I was super worried that like he was going to get angry and like make my life miserable, but he didn't. He was, I think it was just stuff that he needed to hear from her and not from me. Um, but it went really, really, really well. So if anybody is like in an anxious work situation, I encourage you to find an avenue to be able to address it because I feel like so many of us, especially millennials and Gen Z, we're like, as soon as something goes south, we are quitting the job. And maybe you need to, okay? Like, if you need to quit the job, quit the job. But if there's a way to improve, like, you know, because you know, there's going to be something that you don't like, there's going to be a point of contention anywhere that you work. So if there's something that you can do to improve it, try that first. I should also probably mention, because I realized that I said I haven't had an issue with him since, and some people are probably thinking, well, if you talked to his boss yesterday, <laughs> then how do you know? Um, I am recording these a little bit in advance to make sure that like I have time to edit and get it scheduled so it's consistently releasing at 6 a.m. every Wednesday. Um, so this conversation was a few weeks ago. So I'm sorry that I didn't have a real time hard conversation of the week. I haven't had a hard conversation yet this week. Um, at the time of recording. So that's why I use that one. Um, going into our movie or TV wreck of the week, um, I have multiple because again, it's been a, been a few weeks since I recorded the last episode. So I've seen a lot. First one, I think everyone should go see the new Mission Impossible. I know the critics are not loving it. The critics that I watched the movie with didn't love it. I loved it. Okay. But if you're trying to figure out what, you know, what does you loved it mean? So basically I evaluate movies on a scale of like, let's take the Fast and Furious franchise, for example, right? Do I think those are good movies? No, 
but they are so much fun. And I like, you don't go to a fast and furious movie to get a bunch of deep emotional work and like insane acting and an amazing script, right? Like you go to fast and furious to see some absurd, impossible stunts with vehicles, right? So same type of thing, like mission impossible. At this point, we want to watch Tom Cruise run and we want to watch Tom Cruise do a life threatening stunt and see, you know, see some people fight each other, shoot each other, whatever. Um, I'm obsessed with espionage. As you guys know, I'm writing a book about secret agents and training at boarding school. I've been obsessed with Mission Impossible since Mission Impossible 2. So if you're a Mission Impossible fan, 10 out of 10, like absolutely go see it. Um, If you are not into action, there's a new comedy on Netflix called The Outlaws, um, which I thought was going to be stupid. And I laughed out loud like every five minutes. So huge fan really liked that a lot um when it comes to tv i really can't say much other than grace because i just finished season three so i have a very long journey to continue of grace but i also started season at the end of season three of grace is when they launch the spinoff private practice so i'm now watching that too um so far grace is significantly better but i still like private practice enough to keep watching it because Addison is a way better main character than Meredith. Also, sorry for all of the sniffling and um, I, I'm a little sick and I'm not fully, <laughs> my voice is not fully recovered from Taylor. Um, so it's a good thing that my, um, my like, what do you call it? The frequency at which I speak is so low because when I sing, I'm a soprano and I can't sing at all right now and it's so tragic, <laughs> but Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. Please leave me a rating and a review. Unless you hated it, then skip that. Um, And see you next week. I don't know what the topic's going to be yet. I'll figure it out tomorrow. I'm not here to sugarcoat life's already a bumpy road. Too much shelter causes pain. Let's just be real honest. Things are gonna knock you down. Avoidance will not help you out. Let's talk it through here. Keep it real.